Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession to teach you how to be a more productive version of you. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to take my free seven-question productivity quiz. Seven questions. Doesn't matter if you pass or fail, you will learn something by taking the seven question productivity quiz. You do it by going to my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Today on the show, Bunny Young. She is an expert in work-life alignment and burnout. She is also a stunt woman turned serial entrepreneur. This episode is chock full of information that you need to hear today. So what I want you to do, if you don't have a notebook right in front of you, I want you to pause this po- this player, this podcast player, go get something to write with and write on because you're going to want to take a lot of notes. There is tons of information. So without any further ado, let's get to the interview. Bunny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Well, I am super excited to have you on the show. And I say that with every guest I have because my guests are awesome. What can I say? But when you told me that you were a stunt woman turned serial entrepreneur, those four words, I mean, you had me at those four words. You had me at the first word, stunt woman. So I got to (laughs) ask, tell me a little bit about how did you get into being a stunt woman and why did you eventually leave? So how I got into a stunt woman is very simple in the aspect that um, the guy I was dating at the time got a contract to go be in a live action stunt show in China. And he told me that his bosses said I couldn't come with him unless we were married. And so whether or not that was true, we got married and we have two awesome kids. And when I got over to China, I am not one to... uh, do nothing. And so I convinced the entertainment company to give me a role in the live action stunt show. And I ended up with the lead female role. It was a Bonnie and Clyde type live action show. So for those of you in the States, if you've been to Universal Studios and you know those uh, Waterworld type live action shows, that's exactly what we were doing with the firework or the fire effects and the shooting and the, the car stunts. Um, and so it was a Bonnie and Clyde, uh, type show and I was Bonnie, but my name was Samantha to be changed, you know, cause we got to keep it anonymity there. And my husband ended up being the lead, uh, police officer that was chasing us, trying to catch us and kill us. And so I spent four times a day, about an hour each time, uh, trying to shoot, blow up, set my husband on fire, hit him with a car. <laughs> And kissing another man and getting paid for it. <laughs> Were you ever successful in uh, killing your husband? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> Not yet. So um, at the end of the show, uh, I'm trying to remember. I, I don't. We don't end up getting caught at the at the end of the show. Oh, you know what? We do. We do, Mark. At the end of the show, I use a bazooka, blow up a <laughs> helicopter. There's footage of this on on YouTube somewhere. I use a bazooka and blow up a helicopter. And then all of these cop cars come from around the sides of the set and surround us. And we put our hands up. Um, and uh, that's, that's pretty much the end of the show. But the, the premise of the show is that 
were actually on a uh, movie studio set filming this. And so as soon as Bonnie and Clyde get caught, the director yells cut and kind of everybody, you know, just starts doing their little character scenes again. Um, because my, my character was based around uh, like a very Marilyn Monroe personality. And mm-hmm. so here she just fires this giant bazooka <laughs> and, and takes down this helicopter. And then like, she, you know, the director yells cut and she takes the bazooka and is handling like it's a dead mouse and trying to get somebody to take it from her. <laughs> um, so it, it was, it was interesting. It was great to, for your first year of marriage to be able to, you know, blow up your husband, set him on fire, hit him with a car. And we've been together now for over a decade. And I can't say that that's the only time that I have done (laughs) such things. Nice. So at some point you decided, okay, I've had enough being a stunt woman. You wanted to be an entrepreneur. So tell us what was that point in your life where you went from stunt woman to entrepreneur or serial entrepreneur? Yeah. So, um, I, my parents and my grandparents both are entrepreneurs. I'm a third generation entrepreneur. And the only thing I knew when I was growing up is that I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. Um, I decided I was going to be anything, but, and after my, after high school, I went down to Ecuador and volunteered in an orphanage and got on track to be an international civil rights lawyer. And uh, I lost my best friend in a drunk driving accident and I wasn't doing very well as can be expected. And some friends convinced me to take a psychology of death and dying course while I was in college. And I, through that course, I, I understood the power of psychology and perspective and the healing aspects of um, identifying and labeling the feelings that you were having. And so I also understood the power of the human mind. And I figured if I became a a little bit more versed in psychology, ultimately I could be a better lawyer, somewhat like trial science. So I took some more psychology courses, fast forward, and I ended up with a double major in psychology and in uh, political science. And when I was in China, I was given the opportunity to come back to the States and go to school to study at a master's level psychology and animal assisted therapy. And I've had a service animal since um, I was 17. And so this was really interesting to me. And so when I came home and I was studying this and got my master's degree and I started working in the psychology field and social services, it was just my job was never, never over. No matter how many coping skills I taught to kids, it's like they went home to these really stressed out parents. And so uh, a long story made short is that I ended up deciding to go into organizational psych as a consultant. And that's really where the entrepreneur part was born was I was working with an, I was working with two doctors. Um, They're married. So doctors Hamilton um, on these equine assisted psychotherapy courses. And we had um, somebody that attended the course that ended up wanting to be a client from a business consulting standpoint. And I started doing some consulting there. And and initially, I didn't believe in myself. I didn't think that, you know, you have to understand, Mark, as a therapist, you live in this box where 
you get your license, you have a scope of work, we have these code of ethics, there's these very clear things that you do and, and do not do, and there's uh, dual boundaries and all of this stuff. As a consultant, it's the wild, wild west. And so you can basically do anything you want as under the umbrella of consulting, as long as it's not illegal and you're operating in the state of Nevada. Um, so, well, I was saying, even if you're operating in the state of Nevada, there's a lot of things that are illegal elsewhere that, that you can probably pawn off as consulting. And so uh, that's really where the entrepreneurial part started is uh, through the encouragement of doctors Hamilton. Um, I said, I can't do business consulting. And they said, can you create a safe space for individuals to have self-awareness and create some positive change? And that I could do both as a human and as a therapist. And so I use my behavioral background in human behavior and psychology and my business background as a third generation entrepreneur and growing up around these amazing business owners who ran their companies with such integrity and such compassion and core values, um, as well as my dad's military and my husband's military. Um, and my grandfather's were both military and just started a firm that was different, a firm, a consulting firm that was based on mission, vision, core values, but also based on work-life alignment and burnout prevention. And so we wanted to get into the proactive side of organizational psychology and not help those who were, who were burnt out and felt like they couldn't do this anymore, but to kind of get into the inner workings and weave ourselves into the culture of workplaces as workplace wellness, just being an accepted tool, just as a stapler is. Um, and for everybody to have access to that and not feel mm -hmm. like it was a stigma to say, well, I need workplace mental health, or I need to access my employee assistance program, or I need to take FMLA because I feel like my work is driving me nuts. We wanted to take a very proactive approach as a firm. Um, and integrate mental wellness. Well, let me ask you, like, you talked about the work-life work -life balance alignment. Uh, you know, I, I've heard, you know, there's the badge of honor where, you know, we work, 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 work. And I, and I never like that. I, I don't like where we just nonstop work. You have to have some alignment. You have to have time when you just like are just relaxing, whether you're watching TV, doing something fun. And so talk to us for a few minutes about the work life alignment and this culture, this badge of honor where you just work 24 seven, 365 until you drop dead. Cause I don't like that way of living. That. Work-life balance, balance is 50-50, or that is the, the biased way of thinking about it, is that 50% is, is life and 50% is work. So the reason that we came around to work-life alignment is that the concept of there not being a divide between personal and professional anymore through technology and, and through a lot of different means, but work-life alignment and giving yourself permission to fulfill your passion, whether you're doing it as a father, whether you're doing it as the leader of a company, whether you're doing it as, um, you know, an individual on a factory floor, whether you're doing it as a dog trainer. And so that's the work-life alignment is that 100% of the time you were spent 
in your purpose. I obviously, you know, if you're, if you're mowing your lawn, it's, it's not necessarily your purpose, but you're fulfilled from the rest of the week's work where it wasn't, it wasn't work. I I don't agree with the quote that everybody can debate on who actually went back and said it first of, um, you know, do something that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Work is work. Mowing the lawn's work. Raising a child is work. Cooking dinner is work. But if you can find that self-awareness of peace and use your self-management coping skills in order to not feel anxious and feel stressed and feel overwhelmed 24-7, then that's that area of work-life alignment where you can see and feel fulfilled by the actions that you're doing and how you're ultimately fulfilling your purpose and making the world a better place. And whether that's... I love how you said that. And you also used the example of mowing the lawn. A lot of people ask me, why do you still mow your lawn? And I enjoy mowing my lawn. I don't have like 14 acres. I enjoy it. I put my AirPods in and listen to a podcast and I actually enjoy it. So for me, it's not like, oh, I got to go mow the lawn. For me, it's like, it's something I get to do. And I think you can frame then anything that you do in life is if it is a bore, is the chore, or do you look forward to it? I love doing certain chores around the house. I find it very um, enjoyable. So when you're, when you're asking if you're feeling aligned, that awareness mark, of you feeling that joy and feeling that fulfillment, that's where you can answer on whether or not you're living an aligned life. But if I said, Mark, 50% of your hours goes to work and 50% of your hours goes to your family, you may or may not find that same amount of, of alignment. And, and I went through periods of my life where um, you know, my husband and I were separated and I found that I felt more fulfilled by working and riding horses than I did, you know, at marriage therapy or marriage counseling. Um, the happy ending that story is that we're not divorced, but you know, there's, there's, it's an alignment. And so it's not a balance. It's not a constant 50, 50. It's a constant awareness and alignment. And you just like with a car, you have to realign and be able to assess and be able to work through that self-management. And those are the tools that we want to get into the hands of the teams and the companies are the ability to be self-aware and then to self-manage. And most teams and most companies, Mark, start with soft skills training and they start with workshops on and then even like team building and team development. And those are skills that are around team management. And that's step four. Step three is team awareness. And step one is self-awareness. And step two is self-management. So so they're just, there's a lot of work coming out right now around emotional intelligence um, and how emotional intelligence can help you be a better leader and can help you run a more efficient team. But that emotional intelligence can be translated back to self-awareness and self-intelligence. And how does that ultimately help? Well, I really appreciate your clarifying work-life balance versus work-life alignment, and it makes a lot of sense to me. Now, I want to talk a little bit about burnout, because right now we're going through this global zombie apocalypse pandemic, but it'll eventually pass. I know a lot of people who went full bore into their careers, and they burn out. 
I know some doctors that burn out. I know some people in the C-suite that burn out. They were just going at a full tilt, and obviously they didn't have any kind of work-life alignment at all because they were like – it's like a wobbly bicycle wheel. They they were just pushing and pushing because they wanted to make partner or they wanted to get through residency or something like that. So talk to us a little bit about burnout. What What should be aware of – what should we be aware of when we start to feel a sense of burnout? What, what are some of the signs we should be looking for? So, and I'm going to direct um, the listeners to my LinkedIn profile as well, because I posted some graphics recently on the, the signs and symptoms of burnout, because Mark, it's as easy as a question as that sounds. There's physical signs of burnout. There's emotional signs of burnout. Um, there's, you know, uh, signs of burnout within re- relationships. And so in the emotional signs of burnout, you can toggle between a numbness and you can toggle between irritability. In a physical sign of burnout, you can be easily fatigued. Um, you can be easily agitated. You can get sleep, but never feel like you have enough energy. You can experience muscle weakness and muscle fatigue. Um, and so there, there are a plethora of different emotional and physical signs of burnout, as well as lists uh, of other ones of those. And I'm happy to email you some of those lists if, if you want to post them um, in the show notes as well. Um, but, you know, you know what it feels like when you're not operating on all cylinders and you know it can impact everything from your cognitive functioning and your cognitive ability to you know snapping at a loved one to you know um just not caring it's like you know somebody says this is a really important project and we really need to get this done and you just don't really care like you're just disengaged and and it's not that you want to be disengaged, but it's, it's almost burnout can start to mimic the signs of a manic depressive episode. Um, and there's also a little, I, I say salt and pepper thrown in of, uh, signs and symptoms of anxiety. But the reason for that is because long-term burnout can lead to not always, please don't, don't hear me that it always, but it can lead to long-term depression. If you're not able to assist your brain, because what happens, uh, I, I'm going to explain this with, with burnout from a neurological standpoint, and I'm going to bring it to terms that um, we're all going to be able to understand, is your parasympathetic nervous system, um, when you need to push hard, it's going to activate these stress hormones and dump all of these chemicals into our body to give us that boost of energy. And so initially, if Mark, you tell me we have a new project, I'm going to experience this burst of energy and I'm going to be stoked about it. And that is one of the first signs of burnout, right? Is that like dump of chemical. And then there's, you know, where that chemical has been there long enough and your brain's like, hey, so I should probably start to turn this chemical down, but it seems like I still need to be putting this chemical out. And so your brain starts to adapt to thinking that this might be the new normal. And when your brain is out of that chemical, your body is out of that chemical and you can no longer do that, your brain's like total shutdown, 
I need to restore and relax myself, which is where you sleep and you still don't feel energized is because the anxiety side is not allowing you to have that deep restorative sleep. And the burnout side is like you've pushed so hard that that tank is so empty that, you know, you may or may not be able to, to get that back. And when you do that for a long period of time, especially in professions, as you mentioned, like doctors, you end up altering your baseline of what your brain believes is like standard operating procedure. And so it's very difficult for you and it can take a long time for you to be able to to relax. Um, it's why, you know, most, uh, this is not a, a funny statistic, but most CEOs or most C-suite executives experience massive episodes of burnout and or pass away um, 18 months after retiring. Uh-huh. It's because we push our brains so much into this mode that when we actually say, okay, it's time to relax, our brains cannot shut off. Our brains don't know how to stop thinking and to be at peace and to, to find that stress. And so it, it's a, in burnout prevention, the first step is awareness of, of the self. And I could tell you, you know, I, I posted something on LinkedIn and, and somebody was like, Bunny, you know, I, I have six out of six of these symptoms. And so, you know, what, what do I do now? And it's, it can be scary because it's like, you know, you, you're now aware that you're burning out and it's, it's a, it's a cycle of now that I know that I'm burning out, like, what do I do next? And, and am I going to die from this? And the long, the, the short answer is no, you're not going to die from burnout. The long-term answer is that is it is extremely dangerous to continue to function um, at that level. And self-care is not just about getting a massage or, or getting your nails done. Um, and so, you know, like I talked about, if you gave me that project, that initial burst is like the, that honeymoon phase. Um, and then there's that stress factor where it's like, you're getting chased by like your boss, not a werewolf, but like your boss, And so you have that stress, which is extra energy to get it done. And then that prolonged period is that chronic stress. And then that burnout is where your brain starts to slowly shut down. And then that last step is that habitual burnout where it's like my brain just adapts and assumes that that this is the the space that I'm going to have to operate in um, for a prolonged period of time. You were mentioning when you were talking there, what a thought came to my mind is I had a guest on my show recently, Dr. Reagan Anderson, and he served two tours over in Iraq. He was a surgeon and he said when he came back from his second tour, he would actually go look for fights. Yeah, He would go to bars and, and go in dark alleys because he was so wired to be people shooting at him and lofting 
bombs at him. It took him a long time to deal with that. And I'm reading his book. It's fascinating. But he says we're so high energy over there because you have to be on high alert. He came back here and it's like there's not people throwing bombs at you usually in America. And and I thought it was really fascinating. Have you heard of that where people because you mentioned the 18 within 18 months, a lot high percentage of people, you know, suffer, you know, either die or whatever. Do you is that is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So, so some of the behavioral signs of burnout, um, is substance abuse, uh, and substance use can be incorporated into those behavioral signs. And so where you're looking for that adrenaline, or you're looking for that brain stimulation. And so, you know, under behavioral signs and symptoms of burnout, you can see using food or using drugs to cope, but using, you know, seeking out that, um, adrenaline rush or that kind of um, feeling familiar feeling is absolutely very similar to that. Um, you know, other behavioral signs could be isolation, um, procrastination on projects. You know, we talked about the agitation. And then we can also see in a, in a workplace, skipping work or leaving early. And so when we see this with um, burnout in, in, if it's like a post-traumatic stress situation, it, you can just see somebody just completely checking out and just it, if they're not in that mode, you know, when they come, when they come back to camp or when they come back to civilian life where they just grab their keys and go because they're, they can't explain what's going on with their brain, but they know that their brain needs something. Um, and so isolation and withdrawal and then seeking that, same amount of stimulation can um, all be signs and symptoms of burnout. So, so let me let me give you seven. Mark, I'm going to give your listeners seven kind of checklists um, here. Of are you experiencing more bad days than good? Are you exhausted most of the time or all of the time? Do you feel periods? of disengagement. And remember that these are more often than not. Feelings of overwhelm, feeling like what you do doesn't matter, right? And so that's where your brain, you used to that, you went from that honeymoon phase of being excited about this to feeling like it doesn't really matter if I do this or not. Like it it doesn't, it just, it's not going to, no one's going to care and it's it's not going to matter. Um, number six, more often than not, do you feel like you do not make a difference? And then the procrastination is, is number seven, where it's procrastination, procrastination on what's important. And psychologists have argued over that. Um, but that can be back to what you just shared of getting the little tasks done, like the smaller little tiny tasks off the to-do list are those momentary peaks of dopamine. Um, where it's like, that felt good to get it off my plate, but it, but it's not actually the bigger things. It, it is, is that helpful for you to, to go through those, that checklist? Oh, I'm sure it, it was helpful for me and I'm sure it's going to be helpful for the listeners as well, because if you read them, they're probably ticking off in their mind. Yes, no, yes, no. And so let's say someone says, okay, I think I'm, I'm experiencing uh, uh, burnout. I, I want to lead them with something really simple because I like to give simple, uh, not solutions, but simple things they could do so they actually do them. So if someone says they, they checked off most of those as yes, what should their next step be? 
So their next step can be, and, and there's four parts of the self. There's um, the body, the mind, the spirit, and emotion. And so identify which part of the self is burning out. And if it's all the above, that's absolutely okay. Um, but something that you can do right now is, you know, with your ear pods in, take Mark's, Mark's podcast and just go outside, take your shoes off and scrunch up your feet on the ground. Um, this is something that I do when I'm working with individuals who, um, have, are suffering with post-traumatic stress or are coping with post-traumatic stress is it's a grounding technique for a variety of reasons. It is incredibly healing. A, it's a very tactile sensation. B, vitamin D, hopefully it's sunny outside. You're getting that. Um, C, it's a grounding, um, uh, not just through tactile, but also with the earth's energy because, you know, the earth has, has this magnetic pull and humans have that magnetic pull too. If this is news for you, it's called gravity. Um, and so, but scrunching your toes up into that. And so you squeeze your toes as hard as you can, and then you release. And so just squeeze for maybe like five, six, seven, and then release. And so that is teaching your muscles to relax. And then you can also do the same thing. If you can't, if you're like, Bonnie, I'm, I'm listening to Mark's podcast, but I'm at work. I can't really do that. Squeeze your shoulders up to your ears as tight as you possibly can hold it six, seven, and then release. And your shoulders will actually drop away from your ears after that. Another really simple thing is to make a list of everything that's going on in your world. Set, set a 10 minute timer and identify what's temporary and what's permanent. So make your list and then next to it, just put a T or a P as far as what's temporary and what's permanent. And in the morning, identify the three things that you want to get done today. Just three, just three things. And, and I could go on, Mark, but I'm going to say the last thing is, is that a morning and an evening gratitude practice are really, really healing. To acknowledge in the morning that you have something to be grateful for and at night to acknowledge that there is still good in this world can be really, really, really healing and cathartic for a lot of, of individuals. And I know I said that was my last thing, but when you make that list of your um, priorities and you do the, the temporary and the permanent, um, when you list out the things that you have in the world, can you go ahead and make yourself a third column? And can you just connect yourself with a support person whether it be, you know, you're going to shoot Mark a comment through um, this podcast or whether you have a friend that you're going to reach out to, whether it's an old army body, um, it's one, a professional, like a licensed professional counselor or a medical doctor, um, whether it's a coworker in that third column, just identify a support person. And um, there's a a ton more that I can give you and, and Mark, I, along with all the other things that I promised, um, I put a book together called how to stay sane during insane times. Um, and these are all listed in there and it's, it's completely free because as you alluded to, we are in some really interesting 
times with this global uh, pandemic. And a lot of companies were saying, well, we're going to have to lay off 40% or 50% or 80% of our our task force. Um, Can you just give us something that we can give to them when we lay them off so that, you know, we feel like we're, we're actually able to help. Um, And so, you know, then then the next sentence is, but we can't afford to pay you to write it. So, so I took it my own time. Um, I wrote it. uh, It has videos and it has uh, all this stuff in it because Mark, I wanted it to be interactive. I didn't want it to be, if you open a 30 page, it's only 30 pages, but if you open a 30 page book right now, it can feel overwhelming. So there's silly videos in there of my goldfish earrings, just to make you laugh, just to remind that there's still humor in this world. Um, but that that's my list. And I hope that's helpful for, for listeners. And if it's not, and you need more, Mark's going to give you my contact information and please know that I'm here and um, uh, Mark and I are both available and and, and willing to uh, figure out how we get through this because that's how we get through this is together. Yes. And listen, I want you to know that this technology of a podcast player has a real neat feature where you can go back and listen to the episode from the beginning. So Bunny gave you a ton of information you may feel a little overwhelmed right now with all the information you gave you. That's okay. Go back and listen to it. Hit the pause button. Make notes because she gave you a chock full of information. So Bonnie, uh, Bonnie, Bonnie, where am I getting Bonnie? Bonnie and Clyde, that's where I'm getting it from. Bonnie, thank you so much for being on the show. Before we go, where can we find you online? Yeah, a abetterplaceconsulting.com. That's going to be uh, in the show notes. A abetterplaceconsulting.com forward slash resources is where you're going to find the book that Mark and I were talking about. And on Instagram, if you just want to be a part of my daily life, including me getting clobbered by Great Danes and my two daughters trying to do yoga. Um, I love Instagram. It's funny has six legs because I have a service animal and then a better at a better place consulting.com is, is, um, the two places that I'm most authentic. And then of course, please find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm just as authentic on LinkedIn, which I'm sure LinkedIn disapproves of, but Mark told me I wasn't allowed to cuss on this (laughs) podcast. And so I have made it, I've made it 41 minutes without cussing and I'm going to give myself a badge of honor. Yay. (laughs) <laughs> well, I appreciate it. No, I know my listeners do as well. So thank you so much for being on the show. It was an absolute delight. You gave me a lot and I know you gave my listeners a lot. So thank you. Thank you, Mark. And everybody out there, stay safe and please stay sane. Now that you've listened to the episode with Bunny Young, here's what we want you to do. In the show notes, there's a link to her blog post on my website, and we want you to click that link, and we want you to go and leave a comment. What did you learn? What did you like? What is your big takeaway from the episode today? The link is markstuchowski.com forward slash blog forward slash bunny, B-U-N-N-Y, or you can go to the link in the show notes. We really want to know what you think of the episode and the topic today, so please go to that link in your show notes or markstuchowski.com slash blog slash bunny to leave your feedback. We really want to hear what you have to say and... If you have a question, ask it there as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.